Well, good morning. Hard to believe that Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And um, kind of as a pre-Thanksgiving gift, I'm going to be in my message with a couple of Thanksgiving puns. So you can thank me later. Um, The first is, if April showers bring Mayflowers, what do Mayflowers bring? Pilgrims. Okay. All right. It gets worse. What happened when the turkey got in a fight? He got the stuffing knocked out of him. Uh, okay, all right, that's good enough. So, let's let's maybe let's go to the, the Bible. That might be more helpful. Um, as you can tell, today is a theme of Thanksgiving, and the theme of Thanksgiving and gratitude is is all over the Scriptures. It's I mean, everywhere you open the Psalms, praise God for this, thank God for this. The Apostle Paul tells us in many places to give thanks. Jesus Christ Himself, many places He broke bread and gave thanks, things like that. And so it seems to seems to reason that. An attitude of gratitude and, and a thankful heart is really, really important in following Jesus Christ. And it's important to God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had it spoken about so much in the scriptures. So I want to begin with three scripture passages that speak about the need for thanksgiving. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Make music from your heart to the Lord, always give, giving thanks to God the Father for everything In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, be thankful Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So today we're going to be focusing on helping each other develop a heart of, of gratitude, in a sense, train for gratitude. We train for a lot of things. You might be training for a 5K or a half marathon, a marathon. You might be training for to get in shape for a basketball league or a school sport. You might be training to do CrossFit. I mean, we train for a lot of the things. But how many of us think about training to have a grateful heart? So towards uh, that goal, I want to encourage you to do a little exercise during the message. Uh, every once in a while, your mind may drift. It happens sometimes. If it does, let it drift toward things you're thankful for. Let it drift towards gratitude. And so I'm going to encourage you to either take your bulletin or a piece of paper or maybe your phone if you take notes there. And every once in a while, if your mind drifts or if something pops up during the message, write down, jot down something that you are thankful for or somebody that you're thankful for. So here are a few categories to kind of help you kind of prime the pump. Maybe there are individuals that God has placed in your life for which you are very thankful. It could be your, your parents, your siblings. It could be friends, a coach, a teacher, a boss, a co-worker. Or maybe it could be an experience that you have that you're thankful for. Maybe the opportunity to go to, to school or to study the things that you want to study. Or, or maybe you have a job that helps you provide for your family. Or over the holidays, you're going to get to travel somewhere that you're excited about. Perhaps it is a time that you think about when God has helped you through something difficult. He's brought comfort. He's brought peace. He's helped sustain you during a difficult time. Or maybe you're just simply thankful for something very basic and small, which are great things to be thankful for. A good night's sleep, a better week, improved health, maybe your favorite foods. Hopefully, at some point on the list, There will also be the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus Christ, right? His son. 
and the fact that we can have forgiveness and, and health and eternal life with him forever. So towards this exercise of helping us develop gratitude, there's a couple hypotheses that I want to I want to share with you about gratitude. The first is this. More gratitude will not come from more acquisitions. Seems pretty obvious, but it's kind of a message that we often hear or at least pick up. More gratitude will not come from more acquisitions. But gratitude will come from a greater awareness of God's presence and God's goodness. There's a wonderful Christian writer named Robert Roberts who said there's a uniquely Christian framework for gratitude. He says it's important to know what gratitude really is. He says gratitude is the perception of the good. He says you cannot manufacture gratitude by by willpower, even though a lot of us can sometimes try. He says gratitude is a byproduct of a way of seeing things, of a certain worldview, and it always involves three factors. And these three factors come from the Latin word bene, B-E-N-E, which means good. The first is gratitude involves benefit. In order for me to be grateful, I have to receive a gift, something to be grateful for, right? And I must perceive what's been given to me as a good thing. So gratitude always involves benefit. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. Now, right now would be a good time to be writing a lot of stuff down, right? Because God gives us so many blessings each and every day, so many things that we can be thankful for. And gratitude requires that we recognize them and know that they're good. Secondly, gratitude involves a benefactor. Benevolence means to will the good. Benefactor, which is related to our word factory, means one who does good, who makes good, who produces good. And so to be grateful, we must not only believe that good things are coming our way, but we also must believe that they just don't happen by accident, that they come at random, or that we deserve them because we're good people. In fact, that they come from somebody. And we must believe that that benefactor has good intentions toward us. So if I'm to be a grateful person and have the gratitude that God asks us to have in the scripture, then I must believe that God himself is the greatest benefactor. That all good gifts come from him. As James says in James 1, don't be deceived Dear brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. It's an expression, a statement of God's goodness. There's a good God that exists, and he's always giving to us. So gratitude begins with acknowledging benefits, acknowledging a benefactor, and thirdly, gratitude involves a beneficiary. That's us. There has to be a benefit, a benefactor, and then a beneficiary, one who receives good. And we are the beneficiaries of the benefits of a God who has our best interests at heart. Now, being a beneficiary has a crucial facet. It's very important. For there to be gratitude, real gratitude, God-honoring gratitude, Beneficiaries must believe they are receiving something that they did not earn, that they do not merit, 
and that they do not deserve. And so gratitude always must begin with a posture of humility. For example, if I believe I am owed something, if I believe life owes me something, if I believe God owes me something, I will not be thankful for it because I think I'm entitled to it. So if you give me a car just for no reason at all, I'm going to be overwhelmed with gratitude. I can't believe you're doing this. Thank you for this incredible car. But if I pay the fair market value of the car, I give you a check, you give me the keys, I'll say, thanks, it was great doing business with you. But I'm not going to say thank you for this incredible gift. I'm overwhelmed. I'm grateful. Why? Because I bought it. I'm owed it. Because I paid for it. You know, the human race, part of our problem is that in our sinful natures, we are naturally entitled people. We believe that the good things that happen to us, the good things that we receive in life, sometimes we can begin to believe the lie that they rightfully belong to us because we've earned it. We're good people. We're whatever. But the problem is with that mindset is the more we think we're entitled to, the less things we're going to be grateful for. Isn't that funny how that works? I mean, we're, we live in the most probably entitled and blessed culture and generation and part of the world that's ever existed. And yet we always read about entitlement and this and that and people not being happy. And why is that? The bigger our sense of entitlement, the smaller our sense of gratitude is going to be. And my sinful mind can convince me I'm entitled to anything I want. And if I don't get something I want, other people must be messing up. God maybe is messing up. I'm owed. And they ought to give me what I need or what I or what I deserve. And in our culture, you can see this kind of working itself out because there's been a proliferation of lawsuits over the past several decades. When somebody doesn't get something they want, they sue somebody. Right. For example, the San Francisco Giants baseball team a few years ago got sued because, get this, they passed out Father's Day gifts and gave them only to men. A psychology professor sued for sexual harassment because of the presence of mistletoe at a Christmas party. A psychic was awarded $986,000 when a doctor's CAT scan supposedly impaired her psychic abilities. You have to wonder about that third one. If she's really psychic, wouldn't she have known that was going to happen. I don't know. I'm just saying. So in a Christian framework, a Christian mindset and worldview, gratitude is crucial. It's at the heart, the foundation of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. You see, ingratitude, ungratefulness, ingratitude is not just a psychological problem. And it's not just an impoverishment of our emotional experience in life. It's a sin. Paul says it's the hallmark of a child's life that is opposed to their heavenly father. I mean, think about it. when you if you're a parent and you raise children, the last thing you want to do is raise a child that is spoiled. That has a sense of entitlement that thinks life owes me. I need this. I deserve this. That's a recipe for unhappiness and complaining. A lack of contentment. 
because they're not grateful for what they do have. Romans 1.21 says this, when he's, Paul is writing about people living a life opposed to God, he says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, and their thinking became futile. They perceived themselves as entitled, not as grateful beneficiaries of God's grace every minute they drew breath. And the Bible's word for ingratitude is, is grumbling. Paul says that grumbling is the quintessential mindset of life without God. Have you ever heard somebody grumble, complain about life? I know I've done that, and I've heard that. And we can be allured away from God by grumbling almost quicker than anything else. God takes it quite seriously, our attitude toward him and his blessings. The Apostle Paul heard about a spirit of complaint in the church at Corinth, And so he wrote to them about how Israel grumbled at Mount Sinai. God was so good to those white people. He freed them from slavery. He uh, rescued them time and again. He took care of them, gave them manna from heaven. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He led them to their promised land. But they kept grumbling over and over and over. They weren't grateful. And Paul says to the church at Corinth, and do not grumble as some of them did. And he adds this kind of scary line, and we're killed by the destroying angel. Now, I don't think you're going to be struck down by an angel if you grumble. But it does again speak to and highlight the fact that we are to be grateful, thankful people. So in matters of of life and faith, we always look to Christ. And so that's what we're going to do here in the last part of the message is look at Jesus Christ and how did he live a life of blessing, of gratitude, Jesus Christ lived a life of blessing. He was always blessing God the Father. He was blessing other people through his life and actions. And gratitude should always, always live to a life of blessing. Jesus' way of life and the Jewish culture they grew up in can teach us a lot about gratitude. So, for instance, every devout Jewish person would devote themselves to two daily forms of prayer. One was called the Shema, which comes out of Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, acknowledging that God was a great benefactor. They would pray that every day. The other form of prayer was called the 18, or its complete title, the 18 benedictions. There's that word again, bene, good, diction, word, good word. And so in Hebrew, a benediction was any prayer that would begin with the word bless. In the morning, they would wake up and would pray, Blessed are you, O God. At night before they went to bed, they'd say, Blessed are you, O God. During the day, they would pray, Blessed are you, O God, and fill in the blank. And their particular rabbi that they would follow, who would teach them, kind of mentor them and disciple them, these rabbis would teach their followers how to elaborate on this prayer. So, for instance, they might pray, Blessed are you, O Lord, who heal the sick. And they were reminded that a few days ago they didn't feel well, but now they're up and about. Or they might pray, blessed are you, O Lord, who sustains the living and raises the dead when they lost a loved one or when they saw the end of their life approaching. They were training themselves for gratitude. And the gratitude doesn't come when you get more stuff. That's the folly and insanity of our culture. Gratitude comes when you see reality That all benefits come from a wonderful benefactor in heaven of which you and I are 
the grace-given beneficiaries. And so they would pray these, these benedictions, these 18 benedictions, every day. They would gather at the temple to pray them because the temple was a reminder, the expression of God's presence, that he was always with them at every moment of the day, wherever they went, went whatever they did. Jesus himself, uh, when the disciples came to him, they were doing much what they were just following their culture. When they came to him, and they said, teach us how to pray, Jesus. They were essentially saying, how are we to pray these 18 benedictions? How are we to pray in a way that that honors God and follows your teachings? So Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer. It's kind of the 18 in some reform. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or blessed be your name. And so the early church would pray the Lord's Prayer three times every day. And before every meal was breaking, they would pause and bless the food, but bless God, acknowledging that he was the giver of those gifts. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The general principle was that they lived was as a way to bless God for every gift. And we see this again in the Last Supper. When Jesus took the bread, he took, lifted up the cup, he said, he, would, he gave thanks. He blessed God for these gifts. Now, we're to bless God for things, but we're also to bless God and thank God for the people in our lives, right? A life with God has a lot to do with people because that's how we learn patience. That's how we learn to forgive. That's how we learn to love and to make sacrifices. And it's easy to thank God for the people that we get along with, right? But really test us in our gratitude is to bless God and thank God for the people that we don't always want to be around. To say, thank you, God, for that person who irritates me. Thank you, God, for that, that whatever, you know. And here's a second hypothesis for this morning. That life with God following Christ will help me, help you to learn to be grateful for imperfect people and imperfect circumstances. Remember, gratitude is a byproduct of a spiritual reality. And so we train ourselves to live in Christ, to place our minds and our attitudes in the presence of God and to surrender our will. Because if we wait for perfect people, we wait for really good circumstances to express gratitude. We could be waiting a long time some days, some weeks, couldn't we? A rabbi said this, one is obligated to say a benediction over evil as well as a benediction over good. Why? Is evil a good thing? No. Is suffering a good thing? Of course not. Those are bad things and God is at work to to overcome them and overturn them. The reason that rabbi said one is obligated to say a benediction at all times was because we are always in danger of being thankful only when good things come our way. When we do that, our threshold for gratitude gets higher and higher and we become ungrateful people. But being transformed by God means learning to see ways in which God is at work even in bad situations. For I know that in all things God is at work for the good. And Paul wrote that in Romans 8. You know, there have been times in my life, I have a pretty good life, really. I've been pretty blessed. But there have been a few things in my life, uh, circumstances or people that really 
have been tough. And I didn't always want to go through them and I didn't always, always want to be with those people. But what, what I've discovered is that over time, I've looked back at those instances and I, I learned that God really taught me something through those things. He, he shaped my character. He prepared me to, to help somebody, to serve somebody who was going through something like, like that, something difficult. And so I look back at those things and I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't miss out on them. We are to bless God and give thanks in all circumstances for this is, this is God's will for you and me. So I want to close in the last two minutes with a couple of experiments. And the goal here is to increase the number of moments that we are aware of and surrendered to God. The first is to write a gratitude letter. Think of somebody who has really helped shape who you are, that you're thankful for. Write them a letter, not just a couple of paragraphs, but write them a letter expressing your thankfulness to them and then meet with them and read it to them face to face. Tell them, this is why I am grateful to God for you. A second experiment would be to begin to pray your own benedictions. Starting with 18 might be a little bit overwhelming, but try four. Four benedictions, four blessings before you lay your head down at night. Blessed are you, O Lord, for example, for my family and friends. Blessed are you, O Lord, for the work that I can do that provides for my family. Blessed, O Lord, for getting my, the opportunity I have to get together with my family over the holidays. Blessed are you, O Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you, if you begin to do those things, that you'll notice a change in your attitude. You'll begin to focus more on what you have and less on what you don't have what you've been given as opposed to what you want. So I'm going to conclude now with a moment of silent prayer and um, maybe you've written some things down or maybe things have popped into your mind. Either way, I'm going to give you a moment in silence, all of us together, to, to thank God, to bless God, to express your gratitude to him for the things that he's given you. Let's pray. Lord, we bless you for all the things that have popped into people's heads, for all the things they've written down, for all the things they've expressed gratitude to you for. Lord, we thank you for them. And certainly most of all, Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.